Welcome in to Go Big 12 or Go Home. I'm Brandon Shanahan, joined as always by Iowa broadcasting legend Drew Russell. Drew, what a week for the Big 12, man. I mean, what a lot of electric Ooh. stuff. Some teams that caught me man, off guard. Man, oh, man. That, you know, really laid some eggs. And then, of course, the big one that we'll talk about here. Overall, how was your weekend? I'll tell you what, Brandon, we had some stunners across the board, I feel no like. Kidding. There was some weird stuff that went down. We had, I mean, you you started off right with the the beloved Oklahoma State Cowboys, all of a sudden alive and well, it seems like, after a very nice win over K-State. You've got the Red River, River rivalry. Yeah, who would have thought? Insane, right? I mean, just insane. Not me. Yeah. So like you, yeah. I mean, so like, I mean, just ridiculous. And then you've got... Uh, the Red River rivalry, which was just outstanding. What a football game you got there. Iowa State just crushes TCU, which I was not anticipating that even remotely. And all of a sudden, you've got just a fascinating kind of Big 12 slate that breaks down. TC, or, uh, Texas Tech wins Toilet Bowl over Baylor, uh, and rather convincingly as well. So just a wild, wild week of football, and it was very entertaining to watch. Yeah, I'll tell you what, um, Baylor, they, I mean, I, I had picked them a kind of boldly. I thought, oh, well, maybe they did figure something out with their, you know, comeback win over Central Florida. Um, turns out maybe Central Florida just stinks. So um, they laid an egg against Kansas and their backup quarterback. And this guy had five days of preparation to prepare for the Gold Knights. And it looked like they weren't playing the same sport. You know, Brandon, I was really hoping you weren't going to bring up that game because I <laughs> specifically left it off because I've been singing the praises of Central Florida, saying this is this team yeah. is tough. Good. And I'll tell you what, at halftime of the Baylor game, I felt like a genius, uh, but they collapsed there and then really a rather big no-show uh, against Kansas. And kudos to Kansas for a nice bounce-back win as well. But just, you know... That's the brick wall of the Big 12. You have to be ready week in or week out, or it is absolutely going to hammer you. No jokes. And if it, you know, the Big 12 is funny because I think, you know, you look at other conferences uh, at the higher end, like uh, like the Pac 12 and the SEC, and you think, boy, you got to bring your A game like every single week because some of these teams are good. Where it feels like in the, in the Big 12, it's like you just never know when you're going to, you're, you're going to shit the bet and like when you're going to be an awful football team like Kansas State was, like Central Florida was this week, like Baylor's been several times this season. It, it's just such a, a funny contrast that it feels like anybody can beat anybody, but also anybody can lose to anybody at any time. That's the beauty of the league. I mean, you have a team that was picked last in the preseason poll in West Virginia, who right now, record-wise, very well could... I mean, they are a top-three team in the Big 12 right now based on where their record is, which is absolutely crazy. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you can be the hunter, you could be the hunted, and I feel like nearly every single team this season, with maybe the exception of Houston, has been the hunter at times, but nearly every single team has been hunted as well, and the only two undefeated teams left in the conference, but Oklahoma and West Virginia, which is in, just in terms as of conference play, in terms of conference play, just as we drew it up. I'm sure that's what everybody had <laughs> on the big board. I mean, we've got, uh, I know he's uh, no longer with the, uh, the university made the uh, ghost of Bob Huggins has sprinkled a little magic 
on the uh, football team uh, for the Mountaineers. But pretty remarkable storylines across the board. And look, Texas, you and I have talked a lot about Texas. They deserve the headlines. People thought this was the team to beat. Maybe maybe so, because Alabama, despite maybe not being as good previously other years, they are still probably going to win the SEC West and are still a tough football team. And Texas was everybody's darling. Looked like they had it late. And give Oklahoma credit, they swung that tide and and really turned that narrative around. No kidding. And, I mean, it – the schedule sets up fairly well for, for West Virginia here. They play Houston Thursday night, uh, Oklahoma State, Central Florida, BYU. So they get uh, and then they get Cincinnati a couple weeks later. So you get the, the four new teams to beat up on it if you're West Virginia. And then even though the hateful eight teams, you get uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Those are very winnable games for you know any team in this conference. You do play Oklahoma, so that one's tough. But you don't play Texas. So I – you. So there's a chance that they could still lose a game in the conference and advance to the Big 12 championship, even if Texas wins out, which would be probably the best case scenario for me. That, the West Virginia Big 12 would, championship it, game would be outstanding. And that's a you know, piece of propaganda, number one. That's, that's top of the agenda. I want to make it very clear on this podcast right now. If West Virginia makes it to the Big 12 championship game, we are both going to have framed photos of Mr. Neal in the backgrounds because that, you know, that head coach we both were convinced is canned maybe halfway through the season. And now I say, I say he, he gets a trophy. I say we put him on the wall of fame of big 12 or go home podcast legend. No kidding. And I mean, just first one. And I mean, absolutely top of the agenda for, you know, my, my, the big 12 is the best conference to consume in college football tcu last year picked to finish dead last by many major publications they go on to play for a national championship west virginia maybe not that maybe not that talented but i mean picked it to, to be last neil brown on the hot seat as hot as it gets coming into the season and then to rattle off an arlington appearance beat everybody why not it sounds oklahoma we that's a good year oh, man. i'm i'm tempted brandon don't tempt this podcast with a good time. I'm going to tell oh you right now, if that happens, you and I ourselves, I'm flying down to Dallas and we're going to show up Out of in our, you know, our, you know, hats, our raccoon hats. And we're going to show up in our furs, you know, with bears or whatever, whatever their fans show up in. I, don't, I should learn that dress code. And we're going to go and we're going to, we're going to be all in on the Mountaineers. We're going to, we're going to get, taken out by security because we brought you know muskets <laughs> to the building so i mean i don't know it sounds like just a heck of a time but pretty amazing that of course shows that nobody knows anything when it comes to college football and that's where we're at uh towards the midway or really at the midway point of the season yeah like i said just looking at the schedule they're they're gonna be favored over houston that they're already favored by by three against houston i figure that number would have been bigger um, and then Oklahoma State that the next week, I'd imagine they'll, they'll be favored in that matchup as well. And then, of course, at Central Florida, by that time, you know, West Virginia is looking at a what a six and one schedule. I mean, then I think this will be that's, favored over Oklahoma that's State. pretty. I mean, it's very doable. I mean, I think yeah. we'd be surprised almost if they didn't get to that, which yeah. is amazing. Amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, it, and so it's not for You kind of got to make hay while the sun's out, you know, when you got Oklahoma on the schedule. You know, these are games that you got to win if you're going to be taken seriously. And boy, yeah. I want to take them seriously. How much, though, you know, for, you know, West Virginia, Houston, they'll get their game in. We'll find out that plays out. That will not be a game for the faint of heart. That's all I know. As a Thursday night <laughs> special, wait. that's not a game for the faint of heart, even remotely. Like, you know, we've talked about the Sickos Committee. That's one of the great follows on Twitter right now. Like, this game is built for them. <laughs> but, you know, that's but that's the funny thing is that, you know, West Virginia, if they can find a way to survive, yeah, they, I mean, their schedule is nothing nuts. I mean, it is a very manageable schedule. So, you know, we're going to find out how it plays going forward. No kidding. And I got uh, – uh, let's see. What do we got here? Uh, game time set up. You can get into that uh, that game for as low as $16 a ticket. Bargain. What a deal. Bargain. Sign me Sign me up, Houston, right now. Uh, it sounds like just a classic, just you got to get down there, spend the money, and watch just poetry. Like – Beethoven and Bach would be proud of just the masterpiece that that's going to be put on that field. But you mentioned the, the, the other big, big games, boy, I did not expect to go on a 10 minute tangent about West Virginia of all teams. That's how great this show is. You never know where we're <laughs> going to go, but uh, I don't know if there was like a, a top five matchup in college football from the big 12 conference last, last week in the red river rivalry, Texas falling just short of Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel put on a legacy Esque performance pulled out the, the late the late comeback the late heroics in the Cotton Bowl. I mean, it, college football doesn't get better than that. No, it, it doesn't. And again, we you and I discussed this game rightfully so a good amount last week. How's it going to play out? And you and I both picked Oklahoma. Kudos to both yeah, of did. us. Like we made the right choice there. And again, my reason was. Texas hates Oklahoma. Oklahoma hates Texas. But I just feel that offseason, I mean, you lose by 49 to your rival and just get openly embarrassed. That is embarrassing. And I just, that gut feeling was telling me they are going to find a way. And even when they got down late, then they got down late, they didn't have their timeouts. And that was the big difference from last year to this year is that offense last year, you couldn't trust even remotely. It was inconsistent. Their fans were fed up. And it's reason that, you know, that first year, the Brent Venables era was considered disappointing. But Dylan Gabriel has gotten more comfortable. They run such an up-tempo pace. They were able to get enough of a rushing game. They got great, great passing attack. And they found a way to get it done. And you embrace the wacky. You embrace the weird of that game. And boy, did it deliver. Like, first quarter. We had punt fakes. We had missed field goals. We had everything getting thrown out quick. And, hey, I, the old Cotton Bowl site, I'm sad they play there only once a year. That is such a great venue for a football game. Absolutely. It's, it, it's crazy that there's a bowl game named the Cotton Bowl, and they don't even play it in the Cotton Bowl. Um, I get it. You know, AT&T Stadium big and flashy and has the, the, the modern um, – Amenities and infrastructure. But come on, man. What a waste. It is. I mean, look, Jerry's Palace, 
AT&T Stadium is a is a gem of a stadium. Yeah. I mean, it is an outstanding football stadium. Let's not joke around here. But, you know, when it comes to pageantry and tradition, like, I still think they should play that Cotton Bowl game at the original Cotton Bowl site. Yeah. It's still clearly a very functional stadium. Does it have the modern amenities of AT&T? No. But, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a great venue for a college football game. That's just me. But you know what? I'm happy it's reserved for Texas, Oklahoma. And, you know, what's really sad, Brandon, is, I mean, these are the two teams leaving for the SEC next year. And, you know, the game's not going to change. Nothing will change about the hatred or all that. That conference logo on the field is going to change. But what a final performance for those two in the Big 12 that played so many pretty crazy games throughout the year. And that's what makes college football fun. It's what makes rivalries fun. You know, Matthew McConaughey just crying on the sidelines. He wasn't crying, but, you know, moping around saying, where's Bevo? Where's those horns? And, and uh, you know, just tough times. Tough times for Texas and a disappointing loss for Texas, too, considering this is a team that, you know, looked like they had a shot at making the playoff. They still do. There's still a road. But, boy, it just got way thinner, and they're going to have to get a repeat rematch with Oklahoma win out and get a rematch. I think if they want to make the playoff. Yeah. You know, as somebody who loves the, the big 12 is as much as we do, obviously it is kind of a bummer that like the, the, the marquee teams in that conference and like the, the shining moments and the shining teams in this season by a significant amount are, you know, Texas and Oklahoma who are leaving the conference. Yeah, it is. But you know, for the rest of this Big 12 group, I mean, it's been a tough year. It has been a tough year for this Big 12 group in general. So, you know, to see where that's, uh, you know, still a lot of season to go, but they got to elevate their pace because that was by far and away from a conference standpoint this year, that was the most intense football game. That was the most well-played football game. Uh, best athletes out there right now. And the rest of the conference knows they're going to have to catch up uh, in the coming years, which you know, you hope they can, and I, I believe they can as well. And like I said earlier, the brightest timeline for the Big 12 Conference is West Virginia putting a string together. And as we talked about, it's very winnable games. You got Oklahoma State. You got the new four teams in Cincinnati, BYU, um, and UCF on, on the dockets. Um, so there's a path there. And I looked it up the tiebreaker when there's not a head-to-head is each team's winning percentage against the collective group up winning percentage against all common conference opponents. I don't have the ability to do that math right now, but you best believe that. Assume that you know West Virginia doesn't stumble against Houston. I'll have that ready for you, and we'll have a tracker. Won't be as uh, creative as the Brian Ferentz tracker. Another uh, another stinker for him. Um, hats off to him and that outstanding performance. Uh, but we'll, we'll we'll have a West Virginia tiebreaker tracker. I can't wait to see what the graphics team at the Cornhusker Connection comes up with when it comes to this tracker, because I know it is going to be a thing of beauty and a thing of sickness all in one grand <laughs> masterpiece. 
going to be some outstanding stuff. Lots of good stuff. Last game, we kind of wanted to dive into both um, a very uh, emotionally tied game for the both of us here in Ames over the weekend. Iowa State and the defending Fiesta Bowl champion, TCU Horn Frogs. I'll tell you what, as soon as that game kicked off, and you can find my tweet with the timestamp, I was like, the vibes in Ames are elite. You get the alternate uniforms. You get the historical significance of celebrating Jack Trice. You get a night game in Ames, which I'll throw out some numbers here later that are out, that are incredible for a team that gets um, laughed at like Iowa State does. And then on top of that, TCU, if you the early turnover, and they're just not looking dialed in. Now, granted, as the game goes on, you lose your starting quarterback, so that stinks. But from the jump, I was like, this Iowa State team's not going to be an easy one to to escape here with the win. Yeah, Iowa State, boy, were they ready to go. They really were dialed in early, often, were able to score in the first quarter. And even though they didn't pull away in that first half, they only led by three at halftime. You felt like they had good vibes. They had good motivation. They get a quick touchdown in the third quarter and with a uh, just a big-time run from – and from there, they just took it to them. Yeah, the Morris injury is brutal. Uh, and you hope that it's yeah. not a deal that's going to affect a season, and that remains to be seen. But for I'll, I'll stick with the positives for Iowa State. That was one of their most complete games that we've seen in, in a minute. I mean, they really, I felt, wall-to-wall really frustrated TCU, and I'll give them a lot of credit. TCU, on the other hand, man, the execution was very poor at times. Um, and I know certain circumstances were in play. You know, there's mistakes on both sides of the football that they're going to have to clean up. And there's still a lot of season left for TCU. Look, in terms of let's get back to the Big 12 title game, pretty much gone. In terms of, you know, competing for a big, big bowl game, a lot of work to do. But they've got to tell themselves there's still a lot to play for this season. They've got to stay positive. And they got a, a mix of vets and young guys. they got to continue to gel together. But a tough loss for TCU. I thought they were, uh, especially that fourth quarter, it, I mean, just looked like they completely quit um, and really helped Iowa State cruise to a victory. Yeah, it's a it's a tough scene for, for TCU. And we've seen them kind of get better through, throughout the, the year after that Colorado game. Um, lost a kind of a heartbreaker to West Virginia at home. Um, they were in that game though, but this game, you know, it just kind of feels like a, a continuum of that. And that really worries me as a, you know, a, a TCU champion is that, you know, these are the kind of games that you, you used to get right. If you're a really good football team now, granted, you know, the, this team's still not, not even close to how good they were last year with all the talent they lost. And we talked about that at nauseum here and, but you, you got to find a way to, you know, you can't lose to both West Virginia and Iowa State. Granted, both of those teams way better than we expected to be at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. But if you're a TCU fan, if you're in that, you know, locker room, if you're in that coaching staff, you think, boy, we, we I, like I said, you got to make hay while the sun's out in this conference. West Virginia and Iowa State are teams that you have circled in your candle, calendar. Like, we got to win these games if we're going to compete at the level that we want. Yeah. Yep, you have to. I mean, that's you have to win those games. Those are games that you expect to win. Uh, and a game on the road's difficult. Um, yeah. And I was curious how they would bounce back after a tough, tough home loss the week before. And 
you know, I they did show fight the first half. They kept they stayed competitive. Iowa State was pretty tough throughout the entire evening, but second half they got you know hit a few times in that third quarter and just couldn't adapt. And that's why pretty amazing a team in Iowa State who was dead last in the Big 12 last year. Hey, they're sitting at three and three. They've been able to pick up a couple wins in the conference, which has been really encouraging to see for a team that's pretty young still. And there was a lot of doubts, especially after that Ohio game. You and I were talking about Iowa State fans are on that low key, like message boards on the Fire Campbell train a bit. And you know what? They've come out, they've been played quality football the last three weeks. Yes, they got crushed at Oklahoma, but right now there's no shame in that considering how well that OU is playing and they've been able to find a way to get it done. So kudos to Iowa State not giving up on the season and we'll see kind of how this week plays going forward. But I mean, there is a path to a bowl game. They've got to find a way, but there is now a path to the bowl game that admittingly I didn't see initially going into the season. Yeah. I mean, this is, they're in a great spot. And you mentioned TCU on the road here, Jack Trice, don't sleep on the stadium. In the past seven seasons, when Iowa State has a game where the sun sets during the game, they're 17 and three in Big 12 play. They average 22 points a win. And get this, they're three and oh against top 10 teams. Man, Insane. that is a shout out Cyclone Larry for that stat. I mean, I thought, I'm like. <laughs> I mean, Cyclone say, Larry would know that. I mean, absolutely. I, I've seen the, I've seen those, you know, the various like, like Big Twelve Twitter accounts, and we really need to give these guys some more props. Oh my god, uh, there's some sick minds. Cyclone Larry is a top three brand in the entire conference. That man is just absolutely hilarious. He's got an old photo of an Iowa State president and Stephen Leith from a decade ago. The original photo, he didn't smile. This one, he does. So just a master class patrol in Cyclone Larry. Uh, you got to hand it to him. There's some funny people on Twitter. He's one of them. Absolutely. I mean, top three Twitter follower of, you know, all of, all of Twitter. And I don't even mean like just like Big 12 Twitter and the niche community that that is. Cyclone Larry is just outstanding stuff. Outstanding stuff. So shout out he's Cyclone Larry. He's I mean, He's bigger than a lot of the yeah. media personalities. Yeah, yeah, so I, yeah I, for sure. You know, I'll tell you a secret, Drew Russell. When the I saw some stuff about the the NCAA and Bill Self this morning, you know whose Twitter account I went to first to find more information? Cyclone Larry, <laughs> Big J Journalism at its finest. I mean, he's the only one. I mean, if you're going to tell me go to a traditional media source where it's these boring details, or get immediate straight comedy from Cyclone Larry. Or whoever else. I mean, you go to Cyclone Larry all the time. Sports is about having fun. Cyclone Larry knows how to have fun. I'll tell you what. I go to Adam Schefter for all my NFL news. I go to Adrian Wojnarowski for all my NBA news. I go to Cyclone Larry for all my Big 12 news, without a doubt. I mean, the man just understands the conference to a T. He, he gets it. He really does. It's pretty impressive. Respect. So, uh, and I bring that up. Because, you know, who else is coming to town in a few weeks? Those burnt orange Longhorns. If they can find a way to flanagle that for a night game, watch out. We might not even you know, need Brandon, the tiebreaker uh, for West Virginia. If Iowa State can, can secure know, a 730 kickoff. I'll tell you this uh, right now, Brandon. I've been to uh, 
the last two Texas games in Ames, it was glorious. You were with me in 19. Yeah. It was glorious to 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 see a Sally hit the, the field goal uh in that W. And then it, I mean that was top notch. And then you get 21 where we just got, I mean, just a straight butt kicking in Ames with uh, I mean, and that was the last time I thought we were ever going to see Texas at Ames. So it just felt it was a perfect November day. It was a night game, and we just crushed them. So, yeah, I after reading that stat and hearing that stat, they got to find a way to make – I always thought nighttime jack – I wasn't fully sold. I'm all in now. We got to get that sunset, and we got to get the under lights at one of the great stadiums in the Big 12. Absolutely. Definitely the best football environment in the state of Iowa, hands down. Um, let me ask you this, Drew Russell, as an Iowa State fan yourself, would you rather find a way to pick up a, a, a few more wins here throughout the season and go bowling, 6-6 six and six record, you lose to Texas in the process, or would you rather not win a single game the rest of the season but pick up that win against Texas on their way out? You know, for development reasons, you say six and six, like that's better to get the extra practices, yeah. bowl game, nice. But from a, what are you going to remember in 10 years? You're going to remember them beating Texas. On it. So yeah, I want Texas. Of course. Why wouldn't I want that? I mean, that's what you were going to remember. I mean, no Iowa State in 2011, I mean, they lost like three or four of their last games at, of that season, but they beat Oklahoma State that year. So I don't even care that they lost the last like three, four games that season. We beat Oklahoma State. Who cares? They were number two. It was crazy. So like that's always an interesting sports question, though, of like, you know, would you rather have a great season, lose your rival or beat your rival and have a bad season? Depends on the situation, depends on the scenario. But this one is so deeply personal for all Big 12 fans. I don't think I, Iowa State, I think, definitely is included. Um, seeing Texas go down, I think by one of the originals or new members or OU for that matter too, means a lot. Yeah, no kidding there. Um, last thing I want to throw out before we kind of get into our pick, I mean, it's a, it's a deep conspiracy theory that, that I'm hatching and that I'm pushing, um, that re revolves around, I guess it won't revolve around the big 12 going forward, but, um, I had this thought cause I was looking at this Brett Menable defense, right? Outstanding mm -hmm. national championship defensive coordinator, you know, in year two, he's got this defense up playing a really high level football, very deep, getting a whole lot of fresh bodies in there that are still able to compete. So outstanding stuff there. We saw Lincoln Riley, how explosive that offense was at Oklahoma when he was there, the defense lets you down a lot, but that offense was firepower. Dude grows Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks on trees at an insane clip. And, but then he, he – so I'm thinking here, if I'm Oklahoma and I'm these guys and I'm thinking – and here's my pitch to these guys. You want to build ultimate legacy? Like you want to be a part of something truly outstandingly elite and historic that the world of football has never seen before – and we'll never see again. It's a very unique opportunity. You'll never get this opportunity again. No matter how successful you are at USC or how successful you are at OU, this opportunity is far is gonna you're gonna achieve everything in college football. And then you know, okay, so here's the pitch: you go to Lincoln Riley, be like Lincoln, you got to come back to Oklahoma as the offensive coordinator. You run the offense. <laughs> we'll still pay you ten million dollars a year. We'll pay you just as much as you as 
the top head coach at USC. Brent or Brett? What is it, Brett or Brent? Brent, Brent Venables. Brent. Or Brett Brent. Venables. Yeah. Coach Venables. You go to Coach V <laughs> and you're like, Coach, you're doing an outstanding job. We love what you're doing. This defense is flying around. We see the vision. You're doing a great job. We want to give you a pay raise, but we want you to call the defense. We just want you to be the defensive coordinator. And I'll, of course, you give them the associate head coach title. And then you call up good old Bob Stoops. You get him back in the building and you say, Bob, we just need you to sit at the top here, manage these two great coaches, recruit the hell out of America. And that team wins eight national championships in 10 years. You get the Lincoln Riley offense, four Heisman Trophy winners out of it. You get this outstanding elite defense in college football. Then you got Bob Stoops, a man in the show, and such a uh, such a locker room and a, a culture guy. He's going to have it taken care of. And then guess what? You make $100 million, both all of those guys. Bob Stoops can go back to retirement or coaching the XFL or whatever he wants to do. He's got a statue in front of Memorial Stadium down there in Norman. Lincoln Riley can go back to USC or wherever he wants to go or even retire. He's got $100 million. He can do whatever he wants. Coach V, he can come back and be the head coach at Oklahoma. He's already got a statue outside of Memorial Stadium, so now he gets to just carry on this vision. I mean, who says no? Who says no? This is one of the this is one of the most outrageous takes on this show's history. And I love every single second of it. It just makes so much sense. Why not? I don't even care that OU is just flying high right now and really there's nothing wrong with their season. I say let's do it. Let's bring him let's let's bring old Lincoln back after the whole we're going to fly out at 1 a.m. just hours after losing to our in-state rival. And we're going to do an undercover deal with USC overnight. Get on this plane. I mean, yeah, let's just welcome him back. Brent Venables, who says, I'm, you know, he is an OU guy through and through. He would definitely sure. do it. And Bob Stoops is the ultimate OU guy. I mean, uh, Barry Switzer, fame coach back in the, you know, 70s, 80s, a lot of winning for OU, OU all-time tradition. Bob Stoops is a, like, OU guy through and through. I still crack up when Lincoln Riley left that, like, Bob was, like, literally golfing in Norman. Have a one Sunday morning, gets that call, gets the information. He turns to his guys and says, boys, OU needs me. I've got to go. And then just flies off. And dude still has his old office. Still has his old office at the OU building. He went right to his office and got to work. Trying to yeah, save he, OU football. I mean, crazy. I mean, just insane. I mean, he bleeds, you know, uh, soon or red for sure. And you can absolutely tell that. And now he, he's got the opportunity to get, you know, eight national championship rings, you know, build this all-time great legacy as a head coach. And the workload is less than because you got these two uh, – the most elite coordinators in college football running the football operations. Yeah, you get on a private jet, you shake some recruits' hands. It won't take you long to be like, hey, do you want to come play for – yeah, absolutely, Coach. I want to go win four national championships and win a Heisman Trophy if I'm a quarterback. Like that's – you know, his job gets easier. And, I mean, granted, there's probably some, like, legal hurdles with their current contracts. But I, you got to make it work if you're Oklahoma. I mean, how – 
what what better way to go to the SEC than to go rattle off eight national championships in 10 years? I, I just love that this plan has a negative percentage to ever happening ever. And yet I just, I will just feed into this. Why not? Yeah. Lincoln Riley. I mean, I've heard, you know, they USC barely won this last week over a future big 12 foe in Arizona. And there are people saying that Lincoln Riley without his Heisman's would be nothing more than a quality control coach uh, for college football or for the NFL. So, like, maybe he needs to refine his roots. What better way yeah. to do that by going back to his roots? Who wants that kind of pressure? Just go coach you know. the coach the offense in Norman. You know, re right. rehash those relay. You, you know, I'll tell you what. I know Oklahoma fans don't like Lincoln Riley. If he said, "I'm gonna be, I'm gonna leave USC as a head coach to be your offensive coordinator," they'd forget every single bad thing that they they would put together the burnt, you know, Coach Riley shirts. They would, I, it would like that. They wouldn't give a half a shit about anything that's happened since. Like we got the one of the best head coaches in college football. Just calling our win. offense. Yeah, you win, Brandon. You do your damage. Like, no one's going to care. That, I, honestly, for most of these schools, especially in the South, I mean, everywhere, but I would say, especially Southern schools, they don't care. Yeah. They do not care. Like, Auburn hires Hugh Freeze in the offseason. Okay. Hugh Freeze has been a successful football coach, wins and losses. His track record is extremely murky and that is putting it nicely in some cases at the university of mississippi uh you know all the chaos he had down there he goes to liberty university a wonderful wonderful institution to some and does his damage there you know and says i'm a changed man liberty's changed me and auburn says sounds good you win a lot here's 70 million let's go win again these places don't care no matter the background. Now, if you betray them, they'll get angry. But if you come back yeah. and show and succeed, they'll forget it. You're dead right immediately. Water under the bridge. Yeah. And I mean, Lincoln Riley is is young. And even Coach V, like they're young enough. Like you give 10 years to this w- wacky experiment, uh, then you go do whatever you want. You know, I, I think I saw an article recently that Lincoln Riley, you know, he may not coach for 50 years. You know, then go do whatever you want. Go be a TV analyst. Go be a, you know, do whatever you want. Coach V can take over the, the Sooners. Coach Bob can go back into retirement. It seems, now granted, if you're an ego guy and you just want to be the guy, this plan isn't for you. But I I got the sense that all these guys, what they have in common is that they want to win. And there's no better way. There's no better avenue to winning 80% of the national championships over the next 10 years. I'll tell you what they if they want to make a welcome to the SEC statement, you're dead right, Brandon. This That's is the only way they can properly do it. Um, you know what? You could bring back uh our great I say as a uh, offensive line coach, bring back former Kansas coach Mark Mangino. He was at Oklahoma yeah. back during That's the cool. late 90s. Just a let's murder, you know, well. let's do it. Let's do it. Buffet line's done. I mean, he'll <laughs> get through it quick. So, you know. Let's go nuts in Norman. Norman's already nuts. Let's just keep on going. (laughs) 
I just wanted to share that theory with you. I yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. I think it certainly fits the the brand of the show as far as outrageousness, which fits the the conference as a whole. It would be a bummer to see the SEC relic in the success, but um, elite stuff, elite stuff, incredible. But we do have some some bad news. Not the greatest week here last week. Um, especially on my end, boy, what one in four, twenty five percent. I think that that's a mark Man. that may never be beat across the entire Cornerstone Connection Network as far as just pure misses. Um, luckily, the seven point underdog came through in Oklahoma. Otherwise, that's a bagel that we're looking at there. So that's that's a, that's a tough look. Three and two looks way better <laughs> compared to that one and four. Um, TCU and Kansas State both <laughs> seem pretty pretty fine misses like yeah it, it, who would have thought who would have thought that was coming either of those teams the, i will say over and over brandon that oklahoma state kansas state game really surprised me on friday night yeah. uh, and i didn't you know i i caught the highlights i looked through some articles and i think like oklahoma state was you know they said we believe all this kansas state was just straight shocked they couldn't believe what just yeah. happened and considering this team did win the Big 12 championship, uh, you know, from a year ago in terms of they beat TCU in that title game. And they've taken a step back this year. And it's been kind of shocking to see because this was a team I was pretty high on in the preseason. I thought they could slide a little bit, but like this game, I felt it might have been my lock of the week. I felt really good about this one. And it is shocking. Yeah, and I mean, and a big reason why they won the Big 12 championship game last year was because Will Howard was so great. Now, granted, Stillwater at night's no easy place to play. You got to bring your A game there. But Will Howard looked really bad in kind of a very uncharacteristic way for him. Now, granted, I I think he's a lot better than that. And I, I see Kansas State fans on my feed who are, you know, calling for his job, which is insane to me. But um, it's a tough look. It's a tough game for for Will Howard and you know when you can't you, when you go into an environment like Oklahoma State you can't have that no you can't have that even remotely and you know for them I mean they uh you know for Kansas State you have to go back to the drawing board and for Oklahoma State build off this win they have taken some bullets this season they've taken mm-hmm. some bullets from this podcast go prove people wrong go compete the rest of the year and see if you can salvage it just a little bit yeah, and you know, we talked about it last week a little bit. Oklahoma State started off really great last last year, and then Spencer Sanders gets hurt, and then you kind of limp into the offseason with a couple of tough losses. They're in a spot where, you know, maybe they're getting better week by week, and maybe they kind of flip that script where, you know, it's a, little, a lot of adjustments, new quarterback room, a lot of new faces coming in via the transfer portal. Um, and, you know, you get better week, week by week, and then you scrap out, you know, a seven-win season. Suddenly, it feels a lot better than the uh, the seven eight win season they had last year, just because the the narrative. Yeah, no, I always say you'd rather finish strong at the end of the season than than finish weak. And I mean, people forget a weak start if you have a strong finish, and then that can build into next year when you finish weak. There's just that narrative going to the off season of now what can we figure this out? Where hey, you win three or four, four or five late in the season. 
go into the offseason, you're feeling good. There's more motivation in those offseason workouts. There's more excitement and recruiting of, hey, we are building this thing up. It's so important to finish the season strong. That cliche and doesn't need to be said, but it's true. Like people do take notice um, on how a team usually finishes more than how they begin the season. Without a doubt. And, you know, momentum, momentum, momentum. That's you. Speaking of momentum, I'm going to try to pick up some this week. I need it in the worst way. We got a, a, another uh, light slate here. A lot of teams uh, on, on, a, on a bye week, Oklahoma and Texas included. So uh, in the bright spot with that is that this is what the Big 12 is going to look like here going forward. You get teams like uh, – you get matchups like Iowa State and Cincinnati, BYU and TCU, West Virginia and Houston kicking off Thursday night. So, I mean, I, this is kind of the meat and potatoes that I'm, I'm juiced about here. Yeah, this is a thing of beauty, this board. This might be my favorite board so far, Brandon. There's no question. What just some historic matchups we've got this weekend. Some teams that have not faced each other in a long time or never. This is a fun board. And getting started on a on a Thursday night game here, West Virginia travels to Houston. Houston only a, a three-point dog, which like I said earlier, kind of kind of surprised me. I would expect it. Now, granted. You know, West Virginia, you know, we probably think they're a lot better than they actually are, but we'll see how, how that shapes up here. How are you feeling about this game? Where, where are you leaning towards? Boy, this is such a wild game considering how much Houston has struggled this season, yet they're only a light underdog to a conference team. Houston has done nothing to tell me they can win right now, and that could change. That could easily change. But right now they haven't done anything for me. And for Coach Holgerson, he needs to find some kind of a win. This is a winnable football game for Houston. It no question is. And they have hurts on the offensive end. They went to Lubbock a couple weeks ago. And they were very strong offensively, especially in the first half. But West Virginia's defense has been nasty. They've been finding ways to get wins. And for me personally, I see the Mountaineers finding a way to sneak out a road victory. I, you know, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I just haven't seen anything from Houston. Now this feels, you know, real set up for for the for the Cats here as far as narrative goes. You know, Houston's kind of looking like the worst team in the Big 12 by a pretty fair margin. West Virginia, we spent 10 minutes at the beginning of the show talking about how they might make the Big 12 championship game now after a couple of conference wins. Um, this kind of feels like the perfect spot for Houston to kind of come up and grab you and West Virginia to kind of slip up, especially on a short week, especially having to travel to Houston. Uh, but with that said, as you mentioned, I haven't seen anything from Houston that would give me any indication that they can, you know, really compete with even like the middle tier of the Big 12 quite yet. So give me the Mountaineers on the road. Yeah, it's going to be a great game, though. I think it I, I'm telling you, grab your popcorn. That was our intro. Grab your popcorn, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. This is a game. It's um, you can't miss it. Can't miss it. And now up next, two teams that are feeling really good. Um, Oklahoma getting that big win against Kansas State on Friday night, get an extra day to rest and, and recoup, watch some film on Kansas, watch that Kansas beatdown of UCF last week. And Kansas, of course, the victor is in that beatdown. Um, I'm going to just guess that Daniels isn't going to play indefinitely. 
I, I've heard some weird stuff coming out of there. I, I just real bad vibes no matter what. So I'm going to assume that he's not playing. I also think Bean was fantastic last week. Um, and I certainly probably feel like he's still going to be the best quarterback on the field. Um, like, like we mentioned with Kansas State, Stillwater, not a tough place to – not an easy place to, to pick up a win there. Luckily, it's just during – it's during the day, so the energy's a little bit less less intense. So give me the give me the Jayhawks on the road here to, to get us started. Yeah, another one uh, tough matchup here because Kansas run game is was really good last week. Yeah. It really they were able to have multiple hundred yard rushers. They were really able to carve up the Knights defense. Oklahoma State, you know, Alan Bowman's the key. Uh, you know, he's getting better as a quarterback. They get a hundred yard rusher last week themselves. They get three interceptions off Will Howard, which was pretty impressive. Oklahoma State, there's good vibes. I'm going to say they keep them going. They get the, the sweep of the Sunflower State this year. I'm going to go OSU at home. I appreciate that a lot. I'm down three games in the standings. <laughs> I, I need I need a couple of these games to go my way. We got we got to make it interesting, Brandon. I, I'm a I'm a nice enough guy. As much as I want to just mirror your picks for the rest of the season, just to crown myself the champion, uh, I I think uh, I can't do that. That's not uh, ethical. <laughs> this game's a, another interesting know. one here. Um, Iowa State and Cincinnati in Ohio. Tell you what, before the season, I certainly probably pretty quickly chalked this one up as a win for Cincinnati just because of their home field advantage over the last couple of years. And now as the season's played out, I, I, I'm just not sure that that wasn't um, kind of due to some of the competition they were playing. Um, but I feel like this is a good spot for the Bearcats. The, the Cyclones coming off of a big win at home in a primetime game against the defending national runner-ups. Um, like you said, their most complete game of the season so far. And Cincinnati, you know, you're kind of looking at the the goals on the locker room whiteboard, and you think this is a game that we have to get if we're gonna achieve anything this season and pick up any momentum going into the uh into the offseason. So I think the Bearcats pick it up here on the uh, at home. Yeah, the a game for Cincinnati that I think for bull eligibility standpoint, exactly what you said, Brandon, they've got to find a way to win. They're also coming off of a buy as well. So they've had a mm-hmm. little extra time to prep for this Iowa state team. They're at home. It makes a lot of sense. Last time I took Iowa state, they lost to Ohio. And I'm going to be honest, Brandon, almost surely because I don't want to see that happen again. Um, it wasn't pretty last time they went to the state of Ohio. And I think they will be a better, effort but i will say cincinnati pulls it out in a one score game so i've also got the bearcats as well i feel like a hater this... to iowa state you know brandon you know i i really feel like against them a lot i do you know it, it's but i feel it's a natural instinct if you have, if you're a fan of a team that like just hasn't historically had as much success as you would like like that's just natural i feel like that's just natural that's just me though yeah, I don't want to give you too hard of a time because I feel like it's pretty on brand for every uh, Iowa State fan that I know, actually. I mean, particularly Iowa State fans. Yeah, well, we're, all, we're one in the same, Brandon. Yeah. <laughs> this one, uh, probably the, the, at least on paper, the most competitive game going into the 
into the slate. Texas Tech coming off of a big win against Baylor. They're looking like they're figuring it out. Will Howard, like we said, three picks last week on the road in Stillwater. Lubbock's no easier to play. Um, Granted, like I said, you get you get them at six, so that's going to be a rowdy group in, in West Texas out there. Raiders are a point and a half favorite. I probably wouldn't have, uh, have I guess that's um, so uh, Vegas likes Texas Tech. So do I give me the Red Raiders. This is a difficult matchup. I'm going to say Kansas State finds a reason to bounce back. Will Howard's a good quarterback. Traditionally, he's found a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So I will say that he cleans up his game this week. Tech has had some missed opportunities this year, but K-State has as well. So this is really a battle of teams with missed chances. And whoever wins this game, whether it's my pick or your pick, Brandon, they're going to get a springboard, I think, to a nice season the rest of the way. And I will say the loser of this game is going to underperform no matter what. And both these teams right now are underperforming uh, based on preseason expectations. So whoever wins this game, I think, will salvage their season. Whoever loses this game, I think, not that they won't find wins, not that they won't even make a bowl, any of that. But it will just be frustration and anger down the stretch between coaches, players, fan bases, ETC. So I'm taking K-State. They're still a very disciplined football team. Tough. They had a very, you know, maybe just Friday night weirdness, not playing on a Saturday. I don't know what it was in Stillwater. I'll say they bounce back, but another close one. You're absolutely right. I mean, the, the stakes for this game probably as as big as it can be for two teams that aren't going to be in the conference championship game, and with it being you know early October, so I big stakes there. Um, I'd probably say TCU's in the, in the same boat here. Um, all of a sudden, you lose your starting quarterback in Chandler Morris. You host BYU. You've lost two games now where you're pretty big favorites going in. Um, you, you need this game to stop the bleeding. Um, and I think TCU figures it out. I don't know exactly what it looks like. I don't know if it's their defense playing more to how they were playing here the a uh, couple weeks ago, or if, you know, maybe the offense finds a, a, another gear. They mentioned this new quarterback is a little bit better throwing the football down the field, a little bit less movement with his legs um, potentially for the frogs. But I think TCU needs this game way more than, possibly any other team in in the conference this week. And so I think they, you know, kind of get right against BYU. Yeah, this I'm, I'm with you, Brandon. I mean, I feel the wheels fall off the wagon if TCU doesn't find a way. And this is a, a game where BYU coming in is played well there and they've got, they are off a bye week, you know, themselves. So they've mm-hmm. had, 15 days to prepare for this football game. And I think that will be a unique, unique deal for them. TCU's still the better team though. Uh, but you know, do they execute how we've saw that first year and at times this season, or do they execute like they did the last two weeks against West Virginia and Iowa state? I'm going to give Sonny Dykes and that coaching staff, the benefit of the doubt and say that they find a way to get it done. But BYU's picked up some nice wins already this season on the road. Definitely possible they could win, but I've got TCU. I said they find a way, but the season's officially on alert in a very bad way 
if TCU doesn't get a win. And you know that. I mean, you know that. You're absolutely right. Um, outstanding stuff. I think, you know, I think this is, you know, we talk about a, a bounce back week for TCU. I think this is a bounce back week for us. I think, um, obviously, we can't both have outstanding weeks, but you know what? I'll tell you what, Drew Russell, we are both winners because we get to watch the Big 12 football every Saturday, every Thursday. And I, I, I wouldn't, you know, want to be doing a show with any other conference. I think we got it. We're the winners here. Well, we, we are, we're the winners every single week. And our listeners, of course, we respect them. We, we love our listeners. And the Big 12 is continuing to grow. We, we love doing this show. We've been having a blast doing it. And it should be another great week of football. We're also, we won't dive too much in tonight, just based on the chaos. But obviously, you mentioned the Kansas stuff for basketball earlier, Brandon, um, with Bill Self and just all that stuff. We'll break that down. I think a little bit more in that next episode, mm-hmm. just kind of as a bonus filler um, when we recap games for our next broadcast, because uh, that's a wild deal with KU, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, like even your beloved team you've got on your hat right now. I mean, they got hit pretty well with a violation a couple of years ago. So interesting to unpack there. Big 12 has been a lot of fun. And I mean, shoot, we maybe we get Gonzaga for back. My gosh, yeah, we didn't even get to that. Uh, another side note we'll have to dig into a little bit on the next show. So a lot of chaos is always here on the Big 12. More so, realignment crazy. who's down the pipe, Drew Russell. Can't escape it. Well, perfect, Drew Russell. That's all I I'm have. telling you, I, I feel like, like uh, yeah. you know, Brandon, I just want to say that I've got nothing but faith in all of my picks this week. Let's go 5-0. and I know we both can't go five and zero, but let's just let's have a winning record this week. I I mean it. Absolutely. Horns down, you know, whatever. But let's let's have a winning week, okay? We got that. 